What's up, y'all? My name's Lanre, and you're listening to In The Mix, where I get to speak with artists from all over, from all walks of life, about the music industry, our personal lives, and how they mix together. And hey, maybe you'll learn something on the way. This is a place where artists can just be artists. Welcome to In The Mix. Welcome to another episode of In The Mix. My name is Lanre, and today I have the pleasure of introducing you to three extraordinary musicians. How are you guys doing today, guys? Hello, hello. Hi, Lanre. Hey. Hey. Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, of course, of course. So we're just going to get this thing kick, kicked off. And David, since you talked last, you can uh, introduce yourself. Oh, all right. Well, uh, hi, everyone. My name is David. Uh I currently live in Los Angeles and uh, Burbank. Um, I'm originally from Ohio, but bounced around with school, a bunch of different places. And yeah, I'm just a artist, composer, producer. Uh, I've worked on a bunch of uh, studio films, worked with a bunch of artists and cool. released a lot of albums and music of my own. And I got one coming out this uh, fall. So yeah, just excited awesome. to be here and, and chat about you know, music and all things all things music yeah yeah good to meet you thanks uh i'm sean giovanni i'm a sonic storyteller and the owner of the record shop which is a multimedia production company and recording studios based in nashville all right great to meet you sean you as well all right and lauren hey folks my name is lauren israel i'm a record producer uh, native los angelino and i'm happy to be here all right yeah great to meet you lauren So you guys sort of have a great, you know, wide variety of backgrounds here. And uh, like I mentioned before the call, like my name is Lonre and I'm a singer songwriter from Atlanta, Georgia. So with my background, I love to like dive into sort of different peoples in the music industries, like perspectives. So one question that I have for the three of you and anyone can answer this. So how has your relationship with music changed as a listener or a consumer versus now that you're inside of the industry and anyone can take this one? Well, why don't I go first? Um, Yeah. I think anyone who does music and does it at a level where they're actually doing it a lot and it's immersive Mm-hmm. And furthermore, those of us who actually make a living doing it, um, music is innate. Like it, mm-hmm. doing music, you don't choose it. It chooses you. Um, yeah. There's Most of us, we have no choice. So we mm-hmm. listen to music, each of us, very, very differently um, mm-hmm. because I'm a creepy uh, music industry guy, I mm. I listen for the subtleties of the songs and the production, and I listen to the ambition of the performances and the production and the songwriting. I wish I would. I wish I could listen and just enjoy and not really have my brain thinking about all the instruments and everything. Yeah. But that's 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 how it sort of changed me you know from being a kid to now mm-hmm. i i totally agree and, and uh before anyone chimes in i just want to say like that's exactly what my answer would be to that because i feel like it's forever changed 
how I consume because it's what I do. And I feel like there's no, there, there probably are, there definitely are some other um, like careers like that. But I feel like music is so visceral to where it's like you, you're literally taking apart piece by piece because you want to learn from some things. But one thing I found that kind of t- circumvents that is when I listen to older songs, like it, it's not as easy to kind of go into that deconstruction mode. So I think it's interesting you said that, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, like I said, all of us listen to music differently based on, I think how we are personally involved in music. However, I think those of us who do music, it's something that chooses us. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's, it's very visceral, um, which I think is a very interesting thing because I think if we all really think about it, you know, believe me, I wish, I wish I was good at anything else than music. It'd be a lot <laughs> easier, you know? Oh yeah. I definitely understand that. And uh, David or Sean? No, definitely. I mean, definitely agree with both of you. I think it's, it's, I mean, you hit it right on the nose, Lauren, like uh, music chooses you. And that's something that I've grown up my whole life thinking. And I've told my family this. I've told all my friends that aren't musicians. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. And it's like, nah, you you really have no idea. Like, it's it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing to be chosen by music. Mm-hmm. And the way that it has changed so far is like, you know, when I was younger and studying it a lot, I was really big into the, all the nerdy, you know, like, oh, let's get into the harmony. Let's get into the voice lead and let's get into all the names and nomenclature mm-hmm. of the chords and everything. And now, right. like both of you said, it's all about the process, listening to techniques, listening to expression. And right now I'm really big into um, vulnerability. I'd say mm-hmm. like, I'm really big into listening to music that feels like the artist has put some part of their soul into mm-hmm. because I mean, as a composer, like, look, I've worked on tons of albums for sync. I've worked on a lot of short mm-hmm. films and, you know, I want to say that all of these films are my best work, but in reality, it's, it's not, you know, at the end of the day, some of these are, are, you know, just a paycheck. And then I really mm-hmm. put my heart and soul in music that I care about. And so I've recently been really reaching out to other artists and trying to see shows and, and just really hear how somebody shows a, a part of them mm-hmm. that like is like authentically and most vulnerably them and see how they do this dance with the music between themselves and the music and with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And I think there's a very fine line too, because for one journey that I've been on, David, is like getting to a point where I feel so connected with my music. So it's very much an expression of who I am on the inside, but then also that can relate to that people can relate to. And one cool thing I found was that the more I leaned, I've leaned into as far as like my songwriting goes, I've leaned into personal experience, the more like people that it it reaches, you know, because I think just any every listener you know musician or not can really connect like that that's what i think they connect to is that personal touch so that they're intrigued by this unique story and then they're like oh you know i actually kind of identify with that you know yeah definitely and it's it's this really interesting thing that uh it's great that you said that because i think the more 
personal you make a piece of music, the more, um, I, I guess, like global it becomes mm-hmm. by yeah. writing about something so like unique to yourself. You find that so many other people in this world have have actually experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's this beautiful thing of unlocking this like shared sense of experience, whether yeah. they were there or not with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's so cool. Like when you see that happen. Well, I, I think that our favorite artists have the ability to sing the songs we wish we wrote and that connection in its purest form is that emotion and that emotion can be crying or happy or lonely or whatever emotion that may be, mm-hmm. but they're singing my song. Right. Uh, and that's, and an artist can only get there if they truly kind of connect with their own honesty and mm-hmm. have the ability to make it easy for me to understand because ultimately as a, as a listener, as a fan, I really want to understand, but I think it's like my favorite artists are singing my song, like Mm -hmm. my feelings. And it's a shared relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that Lauren is like an aha moment, like what you just said, because I, I'm pretty sure that's why I wanted to start songwriting on top of singing, right? Because all of my inspirations, like uh, Beyonce, Usher, like JT, like people who were creating these these works that I that moved me to sing. I was like, how did they? I was almost trying to figure out how they did that, you know. And then that's how that's what caused me to be like, okay, I, I want to like figure that out in in the actual work itself so sean i'm actually interested in your perspective on this because like as a like recording studio owner i'm sure you you experience that all the time and you see that all the time seeing seeing what part of things i was focused on what you were saying about the impact of music oh yeah yeah so when you i was talking about how like when you're listening to a a song right and how lauren was describing like listening to a song how you're trying to create is that right, Lauren? You're, like, you're trying to create your the song that you just heard. You want to create it again. Is that that sort of what you were saying, Lauren? Well, not exactly. David touched on something that I think was really important about sincerity and honesty and vulnerability, mm-hmm. and I th- and I wanted to under underline that and say that not only is that the most important part of getting to an essence Mm -hmm. as a listener, the way you can quote unquote, connect with your artist, make a great record or whatever. Mm. You're your The person that's listening to your song as an artist, it's their song. In other words, you're sharing a common idea. You know, like, oh, my God, bridge over troubled water. I feel that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Let it, you know, let it be. Oh, my God, that's how I feel right now. Um, So in essence, music must have a listener for it to be 
what it is. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, if you think about it, it's a modality of art that truly needs uh, like a listener or, or a, or a, uh, someone to engage with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what I was trying to hit on uh, Sean was. So as like a record recorded studio owner, like, have you experienced that yourself when you're listening to different sessions or overhearing different sessions or whatever? And like, what, what's your experience with that part of like the listening of music? Well, one thing that comes to mind is with some early stage artists as they're, as they're starting to learn like the craft of songwriting, um, there's a very delicate balance between being poetic and, and also being, um, uh accessible like universally accessible to the listener Mm -hmm. and really great songwriters find a very graceful way of bouncing between um between metaphor and uh and and deeper explanations of things but still making it feel relatable and Mm -hmm. accessible and digestible to the listener so very well put very well put yeah with uh with artists it's something that i listen for quite a bit with artists that are early stage artists that i that i work with and try to help them with is giving them some examples there's a, there's a book called uh that a professor at berkeley wrote called writing better lyrics okay. and there's a really good uh method that's discussed in there about going instead of telling so instead of just like you know saying blankly you know what it is having a way to be able to create um, some sort of image, you know, where someone can kind of imagine the, the, the experience or what's happening, you know, in their mind, that could be like, you know, one method mm-hmm. of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, another method would be sitting down and reading the lyrics, um, you know, without the the melody around and, and feel if this, if this could just, you know, sit down. And if you look at the words, if the, you know, if the story is, is clear, the message is clear. Um, and not to say that every song has to, have a a very simple way of explaining that but it's a but it's a very uh important balance to to be able to have both sides of the artistry to be able to have a song like you know really connect yeah yeah i like that second tip a lot about just like reading your lyrics aloud i was just thinking of one of my songs and and thinking about doing that though and i'm like oh i don't know if i if that song is quite there then because i don't know if just reading it aloud it would it would make sense, but it wouldn't sound poetic if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Well, there's no rules to it either. So I think that when mm-hmm. we talk about these ideas, it's it's all very uh, specific to the situation, to the artist and the song. Right. Um, and I think it's unwise for us as experienced professionals to say that there's like this way that you do it or that way that you do it, because yeah. there's always an example of someone that's figured out a, a way to do it differently. And usually those are the people that are, creating new you know new trends and new styles that other people start you know chasing because they they tried something different and just you know followed their um you know their their artistry yeah there's one technique that i found helps me a lot um and this is just advice that i got from um like an exec a few years ago and she said think of when you're writing a verse especially that you're talk like you're just having a, a coffee or a regular conversation with a friend and how you would explain this this situation or or the song topic to a friend and that like it really helps me 
sort of get out of my own way in a way. Um, kind of what you were just saying, Sean, about like just keeping it very, very personal, right? But without like bogging it down with too much stuff. And so that, you know, that's another tip that I use. In conversational, my you mean, right, Lonre? Very conversational. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it is painting because when you're talking to a friend about a situation, you're not you're not like being super, you know, like sometimes you are being super dramatic, but you're you're literally conveying a message to someone. So like you're using metaphors lightly or you're using, you know, you're talking like you would to a friend. So people would get that uh, relatability almost right off the bat because that's how you're writing your lyrics. Yeah, for sure. I think that definitely depends on the genre of music, though. You know, that could that could yeah, work really sure. well for a for a kind of vulnerable singer songwriter, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, a hip hop artist or mm-hmm. like a like an edgy um, like pop R and B artist or something. A lot of what and, and if it's just a song that is really more about like a vibe, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of what makes those lyrics great is the deep metaphors and um, and the clever lines and tongue in cheek, you know, expressions and stuff. Um, yeah being conversational so i think it's something that's definitely uh genre and theme and intention uh mm-hmm. specific yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of t- like moving parts to being a songwriter and to being a musician in general like there's just a lot of things that you have to consider and i i think it comes with time too like a lot of the things we were just discussing like i was just you know i, I didn't know off the bat but over time, they became kind of second nature, you know, when I'm going into a session or I'm, I'm thinking of a song idea or something like that. Um, and that, I wanted to touch and like that, that was a really great topic, guys. I love that. And I wanted to touch on something that I believe that David said that um, music choosing you. I was interested to know because I was thinking of the time that music chose me. Um, I'm interested to know when was that moment for you guys? Uh, I think for, for me, me concert I went to. Oh, sorry. No, no, you, you, you go, dude. I think for me, it was, I don't know if it was the first concert that I went to, but it was in the early day. My dad took just would love is a huge music fan and he would get tickets to shows all the time from his work and mm-hmm. uh, he'd take me to all kinds of different shows and stuff. But um, I don't remember a specific show, but I remember the feeling of being in a stadium that was packed with people and someone on stage performing and everyone being connected to that song and the the energy um mm-hmm. and just that that whole experience and that that really lit me up i think it was a combination of, of seeing live performance and the impact that music could have on people and seeing yeah. it in person but then also in my like um middle school you know years kind of mm-hmm. growing up and you know and figuring out life and going through relationships and you know all learning about you know growing up and all that i think Mm -hmm. music became like a soundtrack for different experiences in life and Mm -hmm. was great for you know good times and bad times and um and uh and that's what really got me thinking into the um the deeper impact outside of just the entertainment side of music Mm -hmm. Uh, but but how how songs can really um impact people you know and stick with them yeah throughout their life and those were the those were the experience that when I think back on like when I made the decision at a pretty young age that I was going to have a career in music um, came from that. And I think it was mainly driven by the, either the impact that I saw music having on other people or the impact that it had on me personally yeah. and wanting to be able to have the opportunity, I guess, to have to have a career that would 
have some type of deeper meaning uh, like that, that excited mm-hmm. me. Yeah, that's great, man. That's good stuff. And I definitely feel you on the, uh, like how you have music for different times in your life and you kind of have like soundtracks to different, like good or bad, you know? Um, I thought I was the only one that, that viewed music like that. So it's really cool to hear you say that. <laughs> All right. And, uh, David or Lauren? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it was a weird thing. So my, uh, like ever since I could say the word piano, mm-hmm. I had been like begging my parents for a piano. And okay. I think I was like three or four. And I, I don't know. I remember seeing this like a magazine and I don't, I don't think I'd ever seen a piano before, mm-hmm. but I I remember seeing something that had like a piano on it. And I was like, I was pointing at it. I'm like this, like, Hey mom, dad, like piano, can I get a piano? Can mm-hmm. I get a piano? And then after I think like a year and a half or whatever of, of asking them for a piano, they, uh, they got one and I was in lessons at like four or five. And hmm. from then on, I was just like, yeah, I knew this is all I'm ever going to do. Um, you know, I, I, hmm. I, uh, I flirted around with the idea of being a professional, uh, you know, soccer player. Cause you hmm. know, I feel like we all want to be professional athletes, but, uh, hmm. you know, it was, it was just a dream, but like deep down, I've always known music was it. And it was hmm. just kind of like, yeah i mean that's yeah i was like i was i was stuck at three four five years old whenever i got the piano yeah that's when it happened that's awesome man it's funny how music will always pull you back you know like even i remember at one point i wanted to be a vet and i i think i was like uh six or eight whatever age you're in when you're in second grade and i remember saying if I can be a vet that also sings to the pets, I think I'll be like the happiest like adult ever. <laughs> but yeah, it also always awesome. had, <laughs> yeah. But it always had to like include music, you know. So it's like definitely. It, it definitely always brings you back. I mean, hey, do you ever go to you know pet rescues, animal rescues, and and you know bring a guitar, a keyboard, or anything <laughs> to just hang out with the animals? So funny story. I used to be a vet tech um like kind of in between high school and college and i would do like and i would basically like board the pets and stuff and i i actually did do that one time just to like calm every dog down i would just like sing really loudly in the because it was like a basement type thing so like yeah like people wouldn't hear but wow, <laughs> so it did come true. yeah that's thanks awesome. man <laughs> appreciate it and lauren i think for me it was uh i really cried to do other things, you know, like, I mean, obviously a lot of us started music really early, but I mean, I thought I'd go to college. I did go to college, thought I'd get a degree. I thought I'd do something or other in some stupid thing. And I didn't cause I, I, I was, I didn't even know it, but I was constantly thinking and doing things around music. Mm-hmm. whether it be going out to shows or helping other of uh, my friends out with things. And like I said, it just, it just chose me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really like, like I was just telling David, it always pulls you back. And I think one of the, the key things is to listen to it. And, you know, even if you're as young as David was when he was like four or five, like telling your parents to 
like get you a piano or if you're an adult and you're trying to do different things. And, you know, it, I, I think we put this weird pressure or society probably puts this weird pressure on us to, to always want to be like the MJ of everything we do like the second we start doing it. So we feel like, oh, okay, if I'm going to start music, then I have to be a superstar tomorrow. You know, um, maybe that was just me. But um, growing up, there was always just like this weird pressure. So like, I knew it was my calling, but I was almost afraid of starting it because I didn't want to like be mediocre at it. Or, and I wanted to be perfect at it the whole time. Um, but definitely as an adult now, it's like I've learned that it's you're growing with it and it's growing with me. So it's it's something that I'm going to grow into and I'm going to get better at the more that I do. But I can also like be a, like I've heard this saying too uh, lately, which is pretty cool. It's like being obedient to your craft. So it's like showing up for yourself and and doing the next right thing that's going to get you to the next step, to the next step and then the next step, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Very well put. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's this uh, there's this thing my my high school music teacher used to always say this, and mm-hmm. I, I wholeheartedly believe in it in the sense that the more you learn about music, the more you learn about yourself, and yeah. the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about music. Yeah, and so it's just this like endless, beautiful cycle of continually like learning about yourself and music and life around you. And yes, it's just funny as, as you grow and experience more things in life, you're like, Oh wow, this is what this chord change is like talking about. This is what this harmony feels like. Oh, this is what the song is about. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. just like endless, beautiful cycle that, you know, like you said, if you show up, like, you know, you're going to get rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And it, it kind of cycles back to what we were talking about before, too, because when you're, you know, when you're learning more about yourself, you're there then able to be more of yourself on music, which then it attracts more people to your music, you know, so it's kind of a cycle in that way as well. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And I, I think Sean said something earlier, too, about, you know, when he was inspired when he was little, like by going to concerts and, and different like music, like workings and stuff. So for me, that's why, like, that just reminded me of why it's so important to, to show up, you know, quote unquote, show up for everything that you do and like show up for your craft, because you never know who's going to be inspired by that. You know, you like, you never know the, the person who's like listening to a soundtrack by David, who's going to be inspired to be the next uh, John Williams or something, you know, um, and that that's always like really stuck with me, like even on days where I don't necessarily feel like showing up for myself or I, I don't feel like doing anything related to music or, you know, like I may feel down or whatever. How, how do you guys get motivated? Like what motivates you to to really, you know, sh- quote unquote, show up for yourself and, and for your craft? My bank account. <laughs> Facts. That that is also a huge motivator for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Like sometimes, I mean, like I said, like none of us do music, whether we're doing music that people like or not like. I mean, we're all doing it for the same reason. You know, what motivates us is 
Hmm. You know, if you if you really whittle it down, it it needs to be really simple, right? Like having these complex reasons why we do music is, I don't know, I, I don't think it serves us. But if we really know why we do music, like you know, I do it for a living. Hmm. Um, I I do it because I'm good at it. I right. love doing it. I'm curious about it. But I expect everyone who does it for a living to do all those things. I mean, mm-hmm. how many people do we know that do things that they love and actually be able to pay their mortgage and, I don't know, have a girlfriend and have a dog and have a roof over their head? Right. That's a special, special thing. And all yeah. of us are very grateful for it. Trust me. Mm-hmm. And those that aren't grateful you know, are probably going to be selling real estate soon, you know, and that's cool too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, besides the uh, bank account, which is for sure a, like, all right, I got to get up and go gig, you know, I got to get up and go meet some people. Um, a thing that pushes me to push myself is when I notice myself just being in a funk or like not, feeling motivated um i'll just mm-hmm. like turn the lights off and i'll just sit down at the piano and close my eyes and just play one note and then i'll just play a note after that and just like see where my fingers and my mind and my brain go and give mm-hmm. myself the time and space to just really just be vulnerable with myself and then from there it's like you know my energy levels are kicked back up and it's like oh fuck yeah this is great all right cool let's get back mm-hmm. into it and then it's like you know, then you're playing and then you're writing and then you're just, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I guess just giving myself the space to be vulnerably creative or creatively vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That kind of stripping it back and going back to basics a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And just reminding myself why I'm in this, you know, like mm-hmm. there's been gigs I've been fired off of or people that artists that I've worked with that we don't like necessarily see to eye to eye or directors or just like any of the other, you know, we all have those days with people and it's like, all right, let's get back to the reason why I fell in love with this thing first. Yeah. And yeah. And then that's, that's that. Yeah. That's good words, awesome. David. Very good words. Yeah. Thanks. Hey gents, I have to go. I've got another uh, meeting. I apologize, but I love oh, no this. Problem. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Lauren. Thank you, guys. Take care. Good to meet you, Lauren. You too, David. Bye-bye. All right, and Sean, if you want to chime in here, we we have about like 10 minutes left. Sure. Yeah, for me, when I moved to Nashville, I moved here pretty much right out of high school, and um, it was my first time um, completely like kind of living on my own and figuring stuff out. And I moved here for a job at a major record label recording studio, which fell through after I signed the lease on an apartment mm-hmm. and uh, needed to figure something out, you know, pretty quick. So I, I um, couldn't find work. So I, I started in, in the couple months that I had where I had enough money to kind of survive, to try to figure out the town and, and try to figure out where I was going to get my foot in the door and start. I just did a lot of like reading and research mm-hmm. on freelancing and business and following and, you know, an artistic career path and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've, kind of came across commonly, you know, reading about business is the, you know, the cliche of creating kind of a mission statement, you know, for yourself, but it was more focused on like for a business, like if you're starting a business, but I, I, I took that as maybe I could go through and do this exercise to create 
like a, a passion statement for me that would that would uh, help me share with people what it was that I intended to support them with, but also to from I found that through doing this process, I found my greatest source of inspiration that I still use today. So this phrase that I came up with mm-hmm. was to help artists achieve their creative vision and create art that will outlast us. Mm. So that's become like the mission statement for the record shop, but it's also my personal passion statement that really drives me and that I use in yeah. any place of adversity, whether I'm feeling uninspired or I'm feeling overwhelmed or bummed out about a situation or if I'm having a challenging session or if mm. I'm just like burnt out, I'm working on a song and I just kind of want to just, you know, finish it, even though I know it can still be a little bit better, you know? Yeah. So many different ways that this statement has become really useful for me outside of just being a good like model for our, for our business and how we serve the artists that we work with. Right. Right. Uh, And and I found that through thinking Mm -hmm. about things that inspire me the most about my work. And Mm -hmm. the one thing is I, is I did some just thinking and kind of brainstorming about it and writing down, like, you know, what are the things that, um, that really, that I get really excited about with what I do. The, The moment when as a, as a producer, I can share the, final version of a song or the or the first iteration of a track with an artist and they just light up they get goosebumps they they cry you know they have this moving experience where they're together were i'm presenting them something that was just an idea in their head that turned into something tangible Mm -hmm. and that moment and that feeling is is what like was lighting me up the most in the early stages of me having the experience of being able to produce artists Mm -hmm. so that helping the artists achieve their vision was that half of it. And then the other half of it was a kind of comes from a quote from a philosopher named William James. And I was reading one of his books mm-hmm. and there was a line in this, this book that says the best use of life is to use it for something that outlasts it. And for me, that gave me like this ultimate purpose around what I do, but, but I felt like it could also apply to being motivated to go the extra mile with everything that you do instead of just settling for something that's like good enough, you know? Right. And those, so those two things have really driven me. The, the other thing, while realistically money is required in order to make a living with mm-hmm. doing something, I found that my career, it excelled much quicker and bigger when I started saying no more and not taking on things just for money. And mm-hmm. that was a challenging thing to do in the first couple of years of, of starting my career because I didn't have a backup plan and I didn't have anything to fall, you know, right. back on, or like all of us has talked about, you know, like any other real skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that I was spending a lot of time working on things that weren't necessarily inspiring me, but were paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And I was also like, you can get really busy working on those things. And it yeah. can, for me, at least I found that it, it was minimizing the, ability for me to continue to expand the circle of people that I was around and, and, uh, and spend, you know, being, being so busy making enough to survive rather than sacrificing a little bit to be able to continue to build the relationships that would then allow you to like really, really thrive in, in what you do. Yeah. And so I made, once I was in a position where I had, you know, enough steady work kind of coming in and enough kind of relationships in there and in, in town that I could, at least know that I could, you know, generally pay my bills while still turning some things down. I, I started making those um, more uh, intentional decisions about what I focused on, 
Mm-hmm. And what I what I found was that the less that I focused on money and the more that I focused on intention and impact, um, the more that I started getting bigger budgets and better projects and things, mm-hmm. you know, things taken off and, and early stage artists that I'm, you know, working with getting deals before, like it was common that I was working mainly with, with, you know, established acts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it all happened because I, I, I made a decision to focus on my intention being my priority being on artists that I felt very authentically connected with, not just people that could pay me. Mm-hmm. And at first that was, it, it kind of slowed down the growth that was happening in my career. But then as soon as those artists that I really like kind of invested more of my time into started to move forward in their careers, it opened up all of these new doors, which, uh, which, which led to me being able to, grow even quicker than if I was just kind of stuck in the, uh, when I talk about it often kind of talk about, about like the gig mentality where mm-hmm. like our focus is that we get paid an hourly rate or a flat rate for a service, you know, and we're trying to get booked as much as we can for those services, which is totally a great business model and stuff. But for the, for the type of records that I wanted to work on and the impact that I had hoped for my career, I found that I was getting kind of stuck in, in chasing one gig that would lead to the other instead of, following my gut and investing my time into things that I felt authentically artistically connected to, and that I really believed would be successful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so th- that was, that, that's a big part of what, uh, maintains my inspiration is that I don't take on stuff that I'm not going to be excited to work on because I could yeah. do anything. I mean, there's plenty of other options for occupations that you could have to not enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good stuff. And that that's awesome that you said that. Cause I, I feel like we all reach a point like that in our careers where we're just like, okay, this is, I'm reaching a point where I'm doing the same old thing and it's not really inspiring me. And like you said, like I could be doing anything and doing that. And it's like really getting to the meat of what I'm actually doing. I think that's where like the magic happens. Like it it looks like it happened for you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I wish we had more time to get into that because I love that uh, that topic, y'all. But if we uh, we can just wrap up here, and if you guys can just tell the listeners a little bit about what you have coming up and what they can expect from you, and also where they can find you on social media. Sean, you want to go first? Um, yeah, if you're looking to learn more about what I do and what my business does, you can check out the record shop Nashville.com. Uh, the project that I'm probably the most excited about right now is a new venture that I started called the Studio Musician Academy, uh, where I'm. Yeah. Uh, we have a podcast and we have a series of masterclass sessions where we break down the skill sets of the leaders in the session playing uh, world in the industry and try to uncover the the the, the techniques and practices and you know and craft of what they bring to making records and make that available to musicians that are either recording themselves or musicians that are looking to have those types of jobs. Um, so I've been really excited about that because it's been a new venture that's outside of just working on records. And I really love the opportunity to, to mentor and provide guidance and resources uh, for people and, and create resources that weren't there when I was, you know, getting started um, yeah. social media wise, just uh, Instagram at the record shop studios and at studio musician Academy are the two places that, kind of see what we're doing all right good stuff wow david that's awesome yeah that's really um yeah uh right now uh, i just had a couple films come out um 
that I worked on. I worked on the, I wrote some music for the guardians of the galaxy movie, oh, but awesome. right now um, I'm just working on this album. I got five singles coming out this summer and then the album drops on September 1st with my buddy, uh, Johnny Brenz. And we're, yeah. we are really, really excited about this album. It is, we wrote this music. We did a, a writing retreat in a small town outside of LA called Ottawa wild. And there was like eight mm-hmm. feet of snow. And we just wrote and it, we we came up with some really vulnerable, emotional, beautiful like music that we wish was out there. So we're mm-hmm. we're just throwing everything at it and uh, really excited to get it out there. So yeah, check it out. Uh yeah. September first it comes out. So that's awesome. Yeah. And where can they follow you, dude? Oh, uh Instagram, yeah, David B. Deutsch, uh D-E-U-T-S-C-H. Um All right. yeah. But yeah, that's great. All right. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to you guys today. Thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, of course. It was a really great convo. And I just want to say thank you to Voyage and Canvas Rebel for giving us a space to talk. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Awesome. Thanks so much. All see right. you. See you guys. Have a good one, folks. You too.